So we, uh, we all know the golden rule, right? Do unto others as others would what? Do unto you, right? Uh, we've all heard that. We all get it. Uh, but with any rule, the golden rule, with any rule, really, uh, you can always find a loophole. You can always interpret a rule to fit your own kind of freedom and your own autonomy. And so some interpretations of the golden rule, some, some taintings of the golden rule might sound kind of like this. Do unto others as they have done unto you. Do unto others as they deserve to be done unto. Or like, I like this one. I go to this one. This is my default often. Do unto others as your mood would have you do. Yeah, wife knows about that. Uh, do unto others to get them to do unto you. You see, we, we really like the golden rule if, if we get to write the terms and conditions. We, we really like the golden rule or, or any rule if we get to write the exit clause ourselves, you know, put that little fine print in there. But when Jesus gave us the golden rule, when Jesus gave us the great command, he didn't intend for us to write our own terms and conditions in fine print after his red letters. But it didn't take us that long to do so as a church. And so today I want to take us to a passage of scripture that comes from the book of Galatians. And the book of Galatians was written by the Apostle Paul around 53, 55, somewhere in there, uh, AD. So it's only like 20 years after Jesus's death and resurrection. And so we're going to look at a part of Galatians and we're going to move pretty quick today. So kind of hang with me. But just a little bit on Galatians. So Paul wrote this letter. Uh, to a group of churches in Galatia, and uh, and people within this church were uh, were newly Jewish Christians, meaning that they were raised Jewish, uh, but they uh, had accepted Jesus as the long-awaited Messiah. He is the Christ, and they professed that he was uh, their Lord and Savior. So you have that group within the church, and you also have non-Jewish or pagan Christians within this church as well. So they have nothing to do with Judaism before coming to this church. So you have, you have these two groups within the church. And so the question came, okay, Jesus was Jewish. We, we all know that. But also Jesus came for everyone. And so now what do we do with the Jewish rules. Now, now what do we do with the Ten Commandments? Now, now what do we do with all the laws and dietary restrictions and all of that? And so here's just a part of Paul's uh, response to that uh, question. This comes from Galatians chapter 5, beginning with verse 13. Paul says this. He says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But keep in mind, this isn't like college freshman freedom, okay? This isn't like the freedom you have when you get the car keys for the first time and you don't have a parent sitting in the passenger seat next to you. This isn't freedom from, Paul is saying. This is freedom for. He goes on and he says next. He says, you, my brothers and sisters, are called to be free. Um, <clears throat> do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, or, or another word for flesh is like selfish desires. Don't use your freedom to indulge your own selfish 
desires, but rather, rather serve one another, humbly in love. That, that in other words, now, now that you are free from the law, now, now that you don't, you don't have to follow the law, instead now, rather, you get, you get to willingly follow the law, which means you get to willingly, of your own desire and volition, move towards people in service. It's no longer a have to, but it's now a get to. Now that you are free, I want you to look for opportunities to serve, not because you have to, but because you get to, that you have this freedom. You have this freedom to make a difference in someone's life. You have this freedom to make a difference in the community. You have this freedom to change the record. You have this freedom to use the gifts that God has given you to serve one another. So Paul goes on in verse 14 and he says this, for the entire law, that's, that's all of the Old Testament, is, fill, is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says something that's kind of interesting here, and it seems out of place, but follow with me. He says, if you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. That if you don't humbly serve each other in love, then you're going to indulge the selfish desires that each and every one of us have. And if you allow those selfish desires, those appetites for your own selfish ego and all of that to grow and grow, then eventually you're gonna turn on each other and start to devour each other, you know, jockeying for the top. And, and, and here's, here's the thing, that if you continue to serve only yourself, then eventually you will be all by yourself. That if I continue to serve just myself and I have it within me to serve just myself, me, myself, and I, then eventually, if I keep that up, eventually I'll be all by myself. Emotionally estranged and hey, maybe even physically isolated and alone. And maybe you grew up in a house that's like that, that, that everyone has their own little kingdoms, but you're all just living under one roof. Everyone's just looking out for themselves and serving their own selfish desires and interests and needs. Maybe that's your house right now. Maybe that's your workplace. Maybe that's been kind of the feeling of the church for you. And that can all be very, very lonely. That if you only serve yourself, then eventually, Paul says, you self-destruct. Because each and every one of us, we're better together. But when you decide to serve each other, in humble service, you end up breaking that food chain that, that you always have to be at the top of. That when you serve, you break the chains of self-centeredness and selfishness. Because do you know what service is? Service is seeing a need and going and meeting it. That, that when you hear of a need, you say, that one's mine. I, I got this one. It, it's saying to yourself, I'm gonna master my self-centeredness. And when I see a need, 
I'm going to go and meet it. That, that one's mine. And then Paul goes on and he gives this kind of summary statement in verse 16. So he says, now don't indulge your selfish desires. Don't, don't bite and devour each other. Serve each other in humble service. And then he says this kind of to summarize it. He says, so I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That, that in other words, as you learn to walk with God, you're soon going to find out that God is going to lead you towards service of other people. That the freedom that God has given you through the Holy Spirit is the power over your own self. It's the power over your own self-interest. But, <clears throat> you know, the question that comes to mind when we talk about this, and, and the question that, frankly, a lot of you end up asking me after a message like this is, um, <clears throat> do I get a pass? I mean, I already do this and that. Do I get a pass? Or, or I've, I've got this going on and that going on. Do I get a pass on, on serving? And, and I, would, I would say to you, look, you've got to kind of figure that out for yourself. But I do want to take you to another story, a story of Jesus that, that just challenges me every time that I read it. And actually, I have a kind of depiction of it in my office to remind myself of the example that Jesus set for me. And so this comes from John chapter 13, and it's a story that maybe you're kind of familiar with. It's a story of when Jesus shares his last meal with his disciples before he goes uh, to the cross. And, uh, and we call it the Lord's Supper, but, but in Jesus' day, and for Jesus, it was called the Passover meal. And so the story begins like this. This is John 13, uh, beginning with verse 1. It says, It was just before the Passover festival, and Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go on to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he's talking about his disciples and everybody that he's been ministering to, he loved them to the end. I love that. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, one of Jesus' disciples, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Now Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So just, just imagine this scene for a second, okay? Just imagine that you've been given all power, all authority, all might, all right. It's, it's passed on to you. It's all yours. Here you go. And, and imagine that you're sitting there and you know that one of your closest friends is about to betray you. What would you do? It goes on in the next verse and it says, so... And that's such an important so. So, with all that power that Jesus had, with all of that authority, with all that might, with all of that right, with all that justification that Jesus has in his back pocket that he can pull out on Judas at any time, it says, so, he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist 
After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Skip down to verse 12, where Jesus explains this kind of teachable moment. It says, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. And he said, do you understand what I have just done for you? He asked them, his disciples. You call me teacher and Lord, and, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Don't, don't forget who I am. You call me Lord with a capital L. That's King of Kings, Lord of Lords, the line of Judah, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the God who spoke the world into motion, the God who has the power to redeem and heal and forgive. There is no greater name than that. I am Lord. He says, and now, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. That Jesus set us an example that he gathered around his table the cowards who were about to deny him. He gathered around his table the betrayers who were about to turn him in. He gathered around his table the sinners who were about to fail him. And then he washed their dirty, stinky feet. And then a few hours later, he hung on a cross for all the cowards and all the betrayers and all the sinners. See, when nobody was willing to do a servant's job and wash dirty, stinky feet, Jesus took up the towel and the basin. And so the question that we need to ask ourselves as as followers of Jesus is, where is there a need? How can I meet it? Where is there a need and, and how can I meet it? You see, Jesus in his position of authority and in his position of power, all that God had given him, he saw a need and he met it. That nobody else was willing to do the job. Nobody else was, was willing to do the job of a servant because that's, that's something for somebody who's, who's less than me. That's a job for a servant. But Jesus, with all of his power and all of his authority, just saw dirty feet and said, that one's mine. I got this. And then look at what he says after the meal. This is verse 34. He says, a new command I give you. And that word new here doesn't mean like new, new. It means like new as, as unique or unexpected. So here's this new, unexpected, unique command that I give you. You remember the Ten Commandments. Well, here's, here's the 11th one, but it's kind of the first one. He says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another, just as I have loved you. And when Jesus said this, the disciples knew exactly what he was talking about, or at least the half of it. 
because they had just seen him down on his hands and knees washing their dirty, stinky feet. That Jesus did for them what none of them were willing to do for each other. That's love. You see, the method was the whole message in this. Just as I have loved you, just as I have done this for you, so you must love one another, so you must do this for one another. And you know, the the context of this is important here because this is just Jesus and his closest disciples, the original 12 apostles here. There's there's no crowds, there's, there's no masses. This is not a public service announcement that Jesus is giving to everyone. This is a private service announcement that Jesus is giving to his closest friends who are eventually gonna be his church. And so I imagine that, that Jesus is, is sitting around this table. He's just washed everybody's feet. The meal's over. And he says, love one another just as I have loved you. And, and I imagine he's thinking like, so Peter, listen up. <clears throat> I know that you still have a bad attitude about Matthew because he's a tax collector and you're holding a grudge against me because I brought a tax collector on board with our little posse. Is that right, Peter? Well, Peter, love him, just as I have loved you. And Peter, you know there's been some times where you've been hard to love. And, and, and Nathaniel, Nathaniel, you remember what you said about my hometown and my mama, that nothing good can come from Nazareth? You remember that, Nathaniel? Uh, yeah, sort of. And, and Nathaniel, do you remember that, that even in spite of that, I invited you to come and follow me and be my disciple. Yes, Jesus. And so Nathaniel, I I want you to show that same love and that same hospitality and that same inclusion to everyone around this table and everyone that you meet. Don't you dare. Don't you dare try to love people the way that you think they deserve to be loved. Jesus says, love one another just in the same way, the same way as I have loved you. Because what we often try to do is we we often try to love people the way that we think they deserve to be loved. But Jesus says, no, no, love one another. No, no asterisks, no, no terms and conditions, no fine prints, no, no qualifiers, no exit clauses. Love one another just as I have loved you. And then he goes on and he says this in verse 35. He says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if, if you love one another. And remember that Jesus is talking to his own small local church here, his own 12 disciples And he says that that by loving one another, serving one another, one anothering one another, everyone, everyone will know that you are my disciples. Do you know how you can identify a disciple? It's a person who has dirty hands. A a disciple is is someone who's got a towel around their waist and a water basin next to them getting ready to wash feet. You can find a disciple by somebody who's willing to get their hands dirty. 
Because disciples are those with dirty hands who are willing to meet the needs that nobody else is willing to meet. You see, serving is not just something that we do. Serving is who we are. We are called to be servants. We are not spiritual consumers. We are spiritual contributors. We have something to bring and something to offer to the table, to each other, and to our community. That when you serve, you don't just go to church. But when you serve, you are the church. That when we serve, we are the church of Jesus Christ here and for our community. When you serve other people, God changes lives. And the first life that God changes is your very own. So don't try to love people the way that you think they deserve to be loved. Love one another the way that Jesus deserves to be loved. Because when we love like Jesus towards other people, we end up loving Jesus. And there are no loopholes, there are no asterisks, there are no terms and conditions, there's no fine print to this golden rule that Jesus gives us. Love one another, just as I have loved you. And what does love require? But to serve one another in humble love.